How many of you know we need to be grateful for the season that we're in? Can you say amen to that? Grateful for the season that you are in. Um, I, are we going to put, we're going to put it up on the big screen, aren't we? All that I want to share here in just a moment. Um, as I mentioned, I'm going to be preaching and we're going to really get into it next week. But I knew with everybody uh, scrambling to get their food here, I knew with even the smell of crock pots in the sanctuary, cooking. How many of you know that's really a challenge for your spirit to stay focused when your senses are on overload with the food that's in the place? So you can call me a lot of things, but I'm basically pretty smart in this area. That, uh, that when you have kind of a special day and event that, that sometimes focus isn't always the easiest. But I did, I did say, you know, I want to jump into this. I want to start talking a little bit about seasons. Especially, no one ever talks about closing a season. And so that's really what I want to open up uh, with today. But I'm going to really dig into it next Sunday. This is basically my introduction. I thought, well, what better way to do it than just give a, a little bit longer introduction than I may have had uh, next week. But I just feel like the Lord's dropped some things that are going to be incredibly important for you as a believer because the truth of the matter is we all love new seasons. We're not so great at closing seasons down, not even in your own life. How many of you have ever been fired, Brad? You've been fired. I've, anybody ever been let go, fired from a job, let go? I mean, how many of you liked that? Come on now, did you really like, did you say, praise God, they fired me? No, it's like, how could they do this to me? And yet God was closing a season, was he not? And something else came about. So my whole point is, we like the new thing, especially when we're in control of it, but we don't always like the, the thing when it has to stop or close. And, and seasons change, seasons stop. And we need to talk a little bit more about that because our season is changing. And that doesn't have to be a bad thing, but it does have to be a thing that's handled appropriately. Because if you don't think seasons change, then you haven't read the scripture. Do you understand? The very temple that God established himself for the Jewish people, he had to destroy. That season changed. And I'm telling you, there were a group of people that didn't handle that very well. And because of that, they missed the acceptable day of the Lord. So, that's what we're going to jump into. But before we jump into it, I want to start by way of introduction, talking about gratefulness. Are you grateful for the season that you're in? Grateful this Thanksgiving Sunday. We've heard many of the testimonies. I always love hearing some testimonies of gratitude. Uh, whenever I hear testimonies... It, it causes my mind to spin. It causes me to think of things in my own life of which I can be grateful for. And I, I may mention some of those before I conclude here this morning. But gratitude, I believe, should set the tone for these final services that we're going to have together. The next seven weeks, it'll never be like this again. You're never going to hear me exactly the same way as you will hear me these next seven weeks. The way we worship, the way we come together... Uh, the way we just begin to process all of this, it will never be this way again. 
Now, I honestly think we ought to have that viewpoint every time we come to worship service. In fact, we ought to say to ourselves, this Sunday is this Sunday, and it's, there's never going to be another Sunday like this Sunday. Now, that ought to be our heart all the time. But truth be told, that's not how it is. We usually come saying, it's my church, it's what I do, you know, ho-hum, you know, I've got things to do, and we go on. And we enjoy the stability of it, but we don't get the opportunity of it. But I'm here to tell you because now we've set a date, we've set a moment, we've set a time that something is coming to its finality that now you need to say to yourself, we're never going to hear what we're going to hear. It's never going to be exactly like this again. We, we, don't have to, we don't have to grieve that, but we can glean from that certain things that maybe God can say and maybe God can do that will be for all of our benefit. And I believe that's exactly what he's doing, and it opens up by saying that gratitude should set the tone for these final weeks together. You need to be grateful, I wrote down here, for the memories. Memories are a powerful thing. I am grateful for every memory I have over 21 years now in Charleston, South Carolina. I'm grateful for every memory. Some of those memories aren't so hot, but I'm grateful for every, I'm grateful for every memory. I'm grateful for every kingdom accomplishment. I saw people saved in this city. I saw people filled with the Holy Spirit in this city. I saw people get the prayer language and speak in tongues. I saw healings take place in this city. I saw deliverances. I saw lives, family trees that were entirely turned around in this city. I've seen some of the most amazing kingdom accomplishments in these last 21 years. And you know what? I am grateful for every single memory of kingdom accomplishment. I am grateful for the relationships. I think about the relationships and all the, the people that I've crossed paths with, especially in the last 21 years. I'm grateful for those relationships. I'm grateful for the goals that I achieved and the goals we all achieved together. Think about some of the goals. In fact, they've already been testified to, and we'll probably reminisce some more about the goals that were achieved and to be able to look at each other and say, do you remember? Do you remember? That was crazy. And to be grateful for those moments. I'm grateful for every lesson that I learned. I don't know about you, but I'm glad for the lessons. I may, I may have been hard-headed, and it may not have come to me quickly, but I'm grateful for every lesson that I've learned. Are you grateful, or do you not need any lessons? I guarantee if you're one that says, I don't know that I need any lessons, then that's why your life is probably happening like it is. Because some lessons need to come to all of us, and I'm grateful for all of those lessons. I am grateful that I am not the same person I was 21 years ago. Are you grateful that you're not the same person? I hope you're not the same person. Because if, you're, if you say, I haven't changed any, man. I was on the mountaintop. I'm still on the mountaintop. I hate liars. The Bible says that we're being transformed from glory to glory. And we walk from faith to faith. So if you're the same person you were a couple decades ago, you need to check the pulse. I mean, only a cadaver doesn't change. 
for decades. I'm grateful. I'm not the same person. There's some things yet that need to change. I know that. I don't want any testimonies or amens on that one. I understand there are areas even even in Pastor Kevin that could change. And God's working on it and I want him to work on those areas. But I'm grateful I'm not the same person. You're not the same people you were. And that's good. I've known most of you a long, long time. And the good news is, as I've watched your life, I understand you're not a perfect person. No one in the room is. But you're not the same person you were. Grateful for the journey. I'm grateful for the ups. I'm grateful for the downs. I'm grateful for the joys. I'm grateful for the heartaches. I'm grateful because the Bible tells me that in every season of life, God was and is at work. Do you believe that? Do you believe that when you were walking through a really tough time that God was there? He sure was. Sometimes you never see it or know it until you're by it. But that's why you need to be grateful. Because if you begin to live as long as I've lived now, and I'll be honest with you, I, I, I started preaching when I was 19 years old. And again, my joke is, of course, I didn't pastor until I was 24. Of course, by the time I was 24, I, I had five years under my belt walking with the Lord. And of course, I knew all matters spiritual at 24. You chuckle because you, you say, yeah, yeah, right. Of course, I was just so dumb to think that. But I started preaching at 19, and I, I don't know that I have all of my notes. There may be a box somewhere where I have some notes from when I was 19, 20 years old when I was preaching. But I, know, I remember just enough to know that I shudder to think of some of the things that I preached. And, and, and the realization that even in all of that, that God can still use you. And um, a lot of times he doesn't use because of what you do or because of who you are. He uses you despite of who you are. But I'm grateful. I'm grateful that God is at work and he is at work in every season. And so I simply want to leave you with this very simple concept this morning. And it's this, that it's just time to be grateful for whatever season you're in. Some of you in this room, and we're not obviously a large congregation, are we, as you scan it. But there's enough people in this room right now that I can say this, that some of you are in a very good time of your life, and some of you may be in a very challenging time of your life. And there's everything in between. And I can look at each one of you and say these words. You need to be grateful because God is at work doing something at this moment. And if it's a good season, I tell you what happens for most of us. If it's a good season, we ignore God. Let me don't, most people think if, if my season would change and it would all get good and perfect and smooth, that, oh, uh, no, it isn't. I've watched people for years. Everything gets good. God resources them. He blesses them. And the first thing they do is they're gone somewhere. In fact, I've watched God resource people in amazing ways because they tied through difficult times. They gave. They were faithful. And all of a sudden, seasons change. Things get good. And then they're gone. So I can tell you right now that a lot of times a good season is one of the worst things that can happen to us with regards to our spiritual life because we get lackadaisical, we, we get apathetic, we get lethargic, we, 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 we turn into these couch potatoes that just say this is how it's always supposed to be and that's why another season, an adverse season comes, it's to remind us to savor the good times.
And if you're in an adverse season right now, hear me when I say this, that God is at work and let him do his work in that adversity because God uses, causes all things to work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That's Romans 8, 28. So it says right now that if you're in an incredibly challenging time, that God is causing this moment, he is causing this season to work for your good. And this is the part I've learned. One of the, one of the benefits of walking with the Lord for 40 years is not just the ability to crow about it or brag about it, but one of the abilities is, is that you've got enough time under your belt that you can look back far enough and understand that some of the most Difficult moments were some of the most growing moments of your life. And you may not have liked it at the time, but you stand before people right now, not because of your successes, but because of your adversities. Is that not right, Bishop? You stand before people. That's what Paul did. He stood before people and he said, I'm an apostle. You want to know why I'm an apostle? Look at the stripes on my back. Look at the bruises on my body that have, stones have hit and bruised me. I've spent three whole nights in an ocean. You want to know why? I can tell you God is good. He said, I'll tell you why. I stand here before you today not because of my successes, not because of the Damascus Road experience, not because of the revivals that I held. I stand before you as I am today because of the stones that were thrown and the whips that were thrown and the adversity that came my way. Here I stand as a trophy of God's grace, a treasure in earth and vessels. I stand before you with my scars and my wounds and what pours out of me now is the wisdom of God. And I'm grateful now for that. I'm grateful for every adversity. I'm grateful. I, this is hard for me to say. It stirs things up. I am grateful for every slander. I am grateful for every lie. You know why you can be grateful for that? Because it causes you to ask yourself, you stand in the truth. I'm grateful. I'm grateful for every unfairness, every injustice that God would see fit to allow me to walk in his son's footsteps who knew that and more. I'm grateful. I, I remember the time that I was there on James Island in the house on Marsh Point, and I was laying on the floor before God, and it was an adverse time, and people were not happy with me. And I was crying out to God, and I remember because for me, I mean, I have prayer time, but my prayer time isn't usually me sprawling out on a floor. But I was sprawled out on a floor. And I was crying to God, and I was saying, oh God, they're, they're, they're stealing my reputation. They're tarnishing my reputation. What more does a preacher or a pastor have than his reputation? I have nothing else. You have nothing else. At least that's how I felt. Except your reputation. Nothing worse than being a pastor with a poor reputation. Nothing. And I'll never forget the Holy Spirit spoke to me just like this. He's, he said, uh, have you not cried out that you wanted to be more like Jesus? I said, well, of course I do. That's why I'm praying. That's why I'm sitting here working through this. I want to be Christ-like. Does not the scripture say that Jesus became of no reputation? <laughs> it's like... Kick me in the side, Lord. Kick me while I'm down. I would have never known that had I not had an adverse moment. 
that sometimes all you can do is rest even your reputation in God and say, God, I, I can't change anything that man sees or says. All I can do is stand before you. I'm grateful because I wouldn't have known that had it not been for that adverse season. To be grateful. To be grateful. I haven't even got to my, my text. Where's, let's, I, want to, I want you to read a couple things just out of the Bible here in these few moments I have left. In Psalm 50, I ran across this in my reading. In Psalm 50, probably David who wrote this. He writes this. Now, consider this. This is in the Amplified Version. Consider this. You who forgot God. Or I will tear you in pieces. Now listen. He said, if you forgot God... He said, I want you to consider something because if you don't consider it, I'm gonna, I'm gonna rip you apart. I'm gonna, this is the Lord said, I'm gonna rip you a new one. <laughs> you who forgot God or I will tear you in pieces and there will be no one to rescue you. He who offers a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving honors me. And to him who orders his way rightly, who follows the way that I show him, I shall show or I shall manifest or I shall demonstrate the salvation. Now we're talking about in totality. What I'm talking about is wholeness, deliverance, abundance, prosperity. I'm talking about the totality of what it means to be saved. He said, him who orders his way rightly, going up, offering a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving, I shall show the salvation of God. If you will keep your attitude grateful in your most adverse moments, God says this, I will demonstrate to you, I will manifest to you, I will come through for you, and I will show you what I can do. Gratitude. Gratitude. Now the second passage we should all know in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, there's four or five verses here. Now listen to this, again, this is the amplified version. How many of you know that God's working on pastor because he's in the Amplified Version? I mean, this is like, what's going on? It must be a new season for the Lord, you know, for pastor in the Lord. He's using the Amplified Version. <sighs> there is a God. Hallelujah. Says, we earnestly urge you, Paul's writing to the church. Believers admonish those who are out of line. There it is in the Bible. You understand it's biblical to admonish people who aren't walking straight the undisciplined, the unruly, the disorderly. Encourage the timid, those who lack spiritual courage. Help the spiritually weak. Be very patient with everyone. This one has always been a challenge with me. Always controlling your temper. See that no one repays another with evil for evil. Is that not hard? Is it not true that when you get gigged, you want to gig back? Is it not true that when someone goes after you, you want to go after them. Always seek that which is good for one another and for all people. Now, that's the hard phrase. I don't have, see, I can want good for you, but it's a lot of folks out there. I'm just reading Bible now. See, this is when the Bible messes you up. Rejoice always and delight in your faith. Be unceasing and persistent in prayer. In every situation, no matter what the circumstances, be thankful and continually give thanks to God, for this is the what? 
will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Gratefulness, gratitude. A familiar word in our circles is the word season. You'll hear people say, I'm in a good season. I'm in a favorable season. As a pastor, I hear this phrase, my season is over. We generally loathe challenging, tough seasons, and we love blessed and successful seasons, obviously for reasons that don't need much illustration. But the point I'm leaving us with is this. No matter the season you're in, no matter the season you're leaving, no matter the season you're entering, be grateful because that's God's will. There's something in the heart of God that is touched or is moved by gratitude. The Bible tells us that we are to enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. The psalmist tells us that gratitude will demonstrate the salvation of God. It will de- he will demonstrate to us all of his power and all of his possibility when we're grateful. Your ability to be grateful may well be the key to greater things that will come your way. If you can't be grateful in an adverse season, you may well be blocking the door that's opening up to the new season that perhaps God is wanting to give you. The interesting thing is is that gratitude basically costs you nothing. It really is just an unveiling of your heart. I mean, what does it cost you to say thank you? Think about that for a while. People have a hard time just saying thank you to their servers. Thank you to waiters, waitresses. Thank you to uh, uh, flight attendants when you're taking a flight. Thank you to somebody, maybe the Uber driver, the Lyft driver, saying thank you to the person that checks you out at a grocery store. I mean, how many times do we miss opportunities to say thank you? Which tells me probably we're missing opportunities to be grateful to God. Recently... I was at my, uh, my pastor, I still refer to him as my pastor, Houston Miles. I, I was recently at his 90th birthday party, and one of the things I've enjoyed, I went to his 85th birthday party, now I've been to his 90th birthday party, and I can say this now, and, and he wouldn't mind me saying it, he wouldn't mind me saying it going over even uh, live streaming or uh, through YouTube, and it's this, that Pastor Miles was not always easy to work for. Now, here's the deal that I've learned now through the years. Nobody is easy to work for. You wouldn't be easy to work for. All of us are human beings, and when you're the boss, there are things that need to be done, and when you have to look at a subordinate and tell them something needs to be done, and as the subordinate, you may not want to do it, you may not see eye to eye on it, you may not like doing it, but you're the subordinate, you have to do it. And so all of us at one time or another, we've had a boss where we've said to ourselves, no matter how much we may love him today, there was probably a moment we said, I don't know that I like this and I don't think he's easy to work for. And the truth is, if you got thrown in his position, there'd be people saying that about you. Take that as a nugget of wisdom. Because what goes around, comes around. And I was not probably always as grateful as I should have been in those years. And we've often discussed this. We've often said to ourselves, you know, while we were there, this is, 
This is how we sort of approached it when we were there. I had a lot of destiny. I was 29 years old when I started working for Pastor Houston Miles. I was 29 years old. I think he was 59 or 60. So for me, he's always looked old. <coughs> at 90, he doesn't look much different than he did at 60. But I was 29. And how many of you know when you're 29, it's not the same as being 59? When I was 29... I'd already pastored for about five, six years maybe. I, I don't, I'm not going to add it up. But, but I, I felt like there's a lot of destiny, a lot of purpose. And there was all this that I wanted to accomplish for God. And I'll never forget, he gave me assignments and certain things to do. And it was fine. And I was fine in, 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 you know, for short periods of time doing things that I was assigned. But I always knew in my heart that God had called me to be a point pastor. And there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. But the Bible says you'll never be given that which is your own until you're faithful with that which is another's. So until you're faithful with that which is another's, you'll never be given that which is your own. Now, I kind of knew that, but that doesn't stop all the stirring. And so I was always in this stir. And so he wasn't aware of all of these things, but I was, we would always, and I can't say my wife would, but oh, were you there too? Okay, I just didn't want to pull you into this testimony, you know, without permission. But this is how I lived. I always lived this way. I always lived in six-month spurts. I used to say to myself on January 1, something to the effect. It could, I could use Easter, but usually it was Easter and Christmas. I'd say, surely by Christmas, this season will change. Christmas would come and go. Surely by Easter, this season will change. And I lived in these six-month spurts. Because I knew this wasn't going to be my ultimate landing place. The season I was in wasn't the final season. It wasn't the final chapter. Do you understand that? That probably the chapter you're in is not the final chapter of your life. Do you understand that and get that? That whatever chapter you're in, it probably isn't the last one to be written. And for me, I understood that. This wasn't going to be the last chapter. But I, I kept saying, surely in six months, surely in six months. That's a terrible way to live in these six-month spurts. And, uh, and we have often said this now, years later, that we've looked at each other and said, what fools we were, what a mistake we made, because now as we look back, and we think now, because I started working for him in 1989, which is almost 30 years ago, I look back now, and there have been days in the ministry that I've looked back, and I've said, oh, that I could go back and do that again. Oh, that I could go back and relive that again. Oh, that I could go back and savor those moments again. Those weren't nearly as adverse a time as I thought they were. Those were actually some of the best times now, as I look back, the best times of my life. And I was not as grateful as I needed to be in that season because I didn't get this precept that whatever season I'm in, I'm to be grateful. I can look back now and be grateful for it, and, and that's a great thing to be able to look back and, and have gratitude. But the key the Lord is asking is, can you really, Thanksgiving is an act, an act of faith. Can you right now say thank you for the season you're in? Because the truth of the matter is I should have been grateful in those days. And I missed it. I missed probably miraculous moments and opportunities no, am I grateful for everything that happened or for every perceived you know, problem or, or challenge or relational bump? Well, I'm, I, I don't have to be thankful for that, but it, the Bible doesn't say be thankful for that. It says be thankful in that situation. 
It hasn't always been easy in Charleston. Can I get an amen from anybody? It hasn't been easy in Charleston. Charleston isn't an easy place. Now, I know you ask pastors all over America, whatever their city they're in, it's the hardest city in America. To, I know how that works. But I can tell you this much about Charleston, and, and it's not to, not to lessen or in any way magnify what I have faced. But I can tell you this, Whitfield came here, and he was the voice of the first great awakening, and Charleston threw him in jail. Charleston has a reputation. The Wesley brothers came here, and they didn't even want to stay here because they said that some of the worst sin and, and slavery atrocities they saw, in fact, Charles writes in his journal an incident that I can't even communicate because it was so desperately wicked, a wicked situation dealing with slave owners and slaves that they wrote Charleston they wrote Charleston off their stop. The Wesley brothers wanted nothing to do with Charleston. I always find it interesting when you read history about certain things, and then you come to the city today, and it's interesting, we're called the holy city, and, and someone needs to just put a snort at the end of that. A guffaw. <laughs> holy city. Says who? Because we have a lot of steeples? Holy city, Why? Because you can walk every two blocks and find an Episcopal church? That, that's holy? That's not holy. It's arrogance. It's pride. And so this city has had its challenges, and it's not always been easy in this city. And, and I've talked enough with Pastor Fred on golf courses that we can at least, we're to the place now where we laugh. When you can laugh about your adversities, you know you're probably healed. In fact, I could, I could make a case that these 20 years maybe, maybe were far more adverse than anything I could have ever imagined. And you know what the hard part is, is when you know God called you to it. You're saying, you really called me to that adversity? Does that fit into your charismatic theology that God would call you to an adversity? Because if it doesn't fit, then you need to change your theology to the Bible because I'm telling you, God called Paul into some adversities. He told, he gave Paul a prophet that put ropes on his hands and said, if you go to Macedonia, this is what's going to happen to you. Isn't that a good word from the Lord? They're going to tie you up and throw you in jail. Whatever your challenges may be, be grateful. Be grateful for what it produced. Be grateful for what it forged. Be grateful for what it formed. It wasn't always easy, but the good news is that God has always been there. And as we get started in understanding God's ways and times and seasons, and I didn't even get a chance, and I'm going to go ahead and, and, and wrap it there, but, but I'm going I'm to teach a little bit that the Bible teaches the difference between times and seasons. And when you begin to understand that seasons are are ordained by God in order that he might accomplish a purpose unto him and that your season isn't about you, it's about him. The season you're in has nothing to do with your well-being, uh, your contentment even. Paul said, I've learned to be content. If I'm blessed or, or I abound or I'm abased, I've learned to be content. How can you do that? How can you be content if your checkbook's empty or if your checkbook is as full as it's ever been? He says, I'm content. Why is that? It's because the season I am in is not for me. It's for the glory of God. And some of you need to hear that. 
Your season, you're fighting some seasons, and don't fight it. Be grateful for it. I am grateful. You know what this season produced for me? If we can call this a 20, I, you know, I don't know how you definitely define a season because a season by its very nature, if you see it in the Greek language, has nothing to do with actual, you know, uh, a measurable time. I think there can be seasons of months. There could be seasons of years. There could be seasons of decades. There could be seasons maybe more than that. I think, I think there was a 400-year season between Malachi and, and when God intervened and incarnated himself in Jesus Christ. That's a 400-year season. I think you could make a case for that. So I understand there's short seasons, long seasons, and there's no way to measure seasons. I know, for me, I've been in Charleston for 21 years. Maybe, you know, I don't know what it'll end up. I don't think I'll get to 22, but 21 years anyway because I've already passed that. And maybe there were many seasons in the season. I don't know. But let me tell you some things about if we just took it in 20 seasons, I can tell you this. I am, I am grateful that I met each one of you. I'm grateful for that. I would have never met you. No matter what hardships, I met you guys. Some of you I've met as of late. Some of you I've walked with for years. But I've met you. And it will forever be different because our paths cross. It will forever be different. Your faces will always be here. You'll, you'll have a name that I'll never forget. You're probably a part of an illustration that's going to get preached somewhere in America, for better or worse. I'll be able to say your name, Priscilla Houston. I had this sweet lady, Priscilla. Say what you want, man. She could pray. I'll never forget how she'd pray. Woo! You'd give her a microphone, she'd pray, and the glory'd fall. You always need one of those stories. Isn't that true? Absolutely true. I could, and, and we may reminisce. We may get back to this point. I could pull all your names out. Oh, I could tell stories on all of you, right? Right now, some of you are going, I hope he doesn't tell that story. <laughs> Please, not that story. <laughs> hey, it doesn't matter what story. Are you grateful? Think about that. That's, that's what legacy is. Leg legacy, you know, and we had hopes. We had hopes for all sorts of things. But, you know, legacy has nothing to do with even the very temple. I used that already. The very temple that was God's idea that they, the Jews would keep wanting to rebuild over and over and over again. It'd be destroyed, it'd be rebuilt. It'd be destroyed, it'd be rebuilt. Until finally, Jesus said, I'm laying it waste. Do you understand that not even bricks and mortar is God's legacy? He said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. He said, no longer will temples be made with human hands, but they'll now be constructed in the hearts of men and women. And that is where I will dwell. That's a good pattern. Because your legacy for me and my legacy for you isn't some chair we bought that we got to put our name on that someone else was going to sit on anyway long after we're gone. Our legacy is that your face and my face is written on each other's heart till the end of time. So be grateful. I understand not everything shook like I hoped or you hoped, but I'm still grateful. 
because it shook exactly like God saw it. In Jesus' name.